0: But in Hosea chapter 12, verse 11, in the New Living Translation, it says, but the people of Gilead, they're worthless because of their idol worship, and in Gilgal, too, they sacrifice bulls. Now, here's here's the, the line I want you to focus in on. It says, their altars are lined up like the heaps of stone along the edges of a plowed field. The altars, their altars, are like heaps of stone along the edges of a plowed field God used the prophet Hosea to speak to his people the book of Hosea represents God's last and final attempt to speak to the kingdom of Israel before he he turned Israel over to full judgment for her sins so this was the last call if you're gonna repent now's the time Now, what's really, really interesting about the book of Hosea, if you've never read it before, God uses Hosea's marriage to illustrate his love for Israel. And I won't go into depth because that's really not my message tonight, but Hosea's wife is unfaithful in their marriage. In fact, the Bible kind of plainly says that she... Goes and prostitutes herself she goes after other men and what God uses this as is a parallel to what Israel has done to him that Israel has been unfaithful to God Gomer runs her name is Gomer and she runs after other men while Israel runs after other gods Gomer commits physical the physical act of adultery While Israel commits spiritual adultery. Now, here in the twelfth chapter and the eleventh verse, it says, their altars are lined up like the heaps of stone along the edges of a plowed field. It's a visual illustration for the readers that, like stones, when a farmer is plowing his field and he happens upon a stone, he is preparing it for the seed that will be planted in the field and he is plowing it he's digging it up he's breaking through the hardened earth and he comes up against the stone the rock he will take it and he'll put it off on the side and it's not uncommon for that to happen repeatedly and so what what he what the prophet is saying is like the like the stones that are Tossed aside through a field that is furrowed he says so are your your altars now notice it's, it's not the altar of God it's their altars it's the places that they have built so that they could worship according to their own preferences and he says as many as the rocks are of a field because when you're plowing a field I know I don't think many of us have plowed a field especially by hand especially a field that's never been plowed before But when you do that, you'll come against a lot of hard places that need to be excavated and removed in order for the field to produce a harvest. So this will happen many times, and those rocks will just build up in heaps along the field. And he says, just as many as those rocks are, so are your altars that you've built, Everywhere you go, it seems like you are building altars and you are sacrificing to false gods. Now, this is simply a, a, a launching point, this verse. Because it's this verse that reminded me, this is probably going to take a left turn and I hope you continue with me because we'll continue down this next path for a while. This verse of scripture reminded me of New England. reminded me of New England that's right the Northeast part of the United States a couple years back I had the privilege of preaching a youth camp in the state of Connecticut I had never been there before and while I was there I noticed something that was unusual to me but familiar to that land and to everybody that lived there in that region of the United States And that was their stone walls I'm not I I wish I wish we had a projector right now with high quality image so that I could show you pictures of these stone walls they're everywhere everywhere you look driving down the highway the country roads wherever you are you see just this constant picture in the horizon of stone walls walls built with stones I did a little bit of investigating and discovered some very interesting things about these stone walls New England's distinctive stone walls are estimated to stretch 240,000 miles to give you a picture if you lined them up in a straight line and you defied gravity those stone walls would reach from here to the moon If you get a chance to see them yourself or Google image search these stone walls you'll find that the layout of these walls at first it comes across a bit confusing it almost looks like a maze because they're they're straight lines and then they're turned and straight lines and and they, they, they look almost like they build this maze and in fact we find that there was a method behind their construction If you take a closer look at these they will tell you a lot about the land if you know what to look for and how to read the walls stay with me tonight you see these walls that gathered together 240,000 miles of walls were built by homesteaders who settled in the area developed cultivated and farmed the land the oldest documented stone wall in New England dates all the way back to 1607 and it was made by English settlers of the Virginia Company along the Kennebec River north of Portland Maine but the most of the walls in this area were built during the revolutionary period between 1775 1825 a homesteader or homesteading family would work their land in four ways in four ways each requiring different precision of sifting the earth or the soil surrounding the home so they would settle they would build their home and then they would begin to develop the land in four different ways and each Of those places that they would cultivate required a different sifting of the soil the first from the house if you were walking from the house the first area of land was where they would farm for their food they would till the ground and they would put their food crops there now this required frequent uh, visits this is where they visited most often this place they had to not only bring up the stones but they had to weed it they had to tend to it they had to protect it why because this area of the land would be what fed the home now once the land was cleared rocks of all sizes big or small tiny or large rocks of all sizes had to be removed to allow For plowing and planting so the walls if you go to New England and you see walls stone walls with small stones it indicates now you won't find the original house anymore but you'll know if that wall has small rocks that make it up it is closest to where the family lived and where they grew food it has been said that the farmers first crop is rocks And this is because during the winter, it would rain, it would snow, the ground would be wet, the ground would freeze, it would thaw, and it would lift, literally lift the rocks toward the surface of the soil that may have been deep buried beneath. But now the spring has come and the farmer first must reap a harvest of rocks if he wants to have a harvest of food. He would dig these up and he would build the wall with large and small stones alike now beyond beyond this field so you have where the food crop is you would go to the next field and the next field beyond the cropland were the hay fields the hay is to feed the animals during the winter now this field there was no need to remove tiny stones. It was just the larger stones to clear the land so that they could grow the hay. And what they would do is as the hay would grow and dry, they would hand reap the hay and gather it into the barns so that their animals would have food during the winter. So you went from a wall that would have large and small rocks to the next stone wall that would primarily be built of larger stones but beyond the hay field was another field this third field was the pasture land this was a large area where the farm animals would graze so here the walls were built to ring in the flock or the animals and they were constructed of the largest stones Some stones you would actually wonder how in the world did they move that rock to get over there and put it in a straight line. How did they move those rocks because they were so large? They didn't worry about the pebbles and the gravel. They didn't worry about the, the, the rocks that were the size of your hand or even a little bit bigger than that. They would only remove the largest rocks here. And then finally beyond the third field would be one last area, and it was the wooded lot. It was the woods. The wooded lot was lo- located furthest from the front door of the house. It was the rockiest. And it was the poorest soil of all the land that the family owned. You see, here there was no need to clear a woodlot of rocks. So there was no stone wall. There was no border here. There was no fence. There was no boundary. There was no stone wall around the woodlot. Now, if we could begin to make the spiritual parallel here, I'm sure some of you have already begun to make them. There are several scriptures that instruct us to clear and to cultivate the soil of our hearts. Matthew chapter 13 is probably one of the most familiar to to many here, and that is the parable that Jesus told us of the sower and the seed. The Bible says in Matthew 13 verse 3 that Jesus spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell among stony places, and there they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And then still other seed fell among the, th- the thorns, the weeds, and the thorns sprung up and choked out the plants But still a fourth type of seed fell in a fourth type of soil, and it was good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And Jesus says, He that hath ears, let him hear. And in verse 18, Jesus explained to his disciples, those nearest to him, what the parable meant. He said, Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, Then comes the wicked one and catches away that which is sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. Verse 20, and we'll focus in on these next two verses. It says, he that receives the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and immediately or anon with joy receives it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended and it dies then he goes on talks about the the thorns and what we see here is jesus is really he's referring to us he's referring to basically what i just described the homesteader's land what's nearest the house and then that's that's produces you got to get rid of not just the rocks but you got to get rid of, of of the birds you got to shoo away the birds you got to get rid of the rocks you've even got to make sure you weed and take out the thorns you got to make sure that's your best soil beyond that is a stony place and beyond that is is the wayside where the, the, it seems like the enemy just has his way and he's just plucking up the seed furthermore we find that we are told to break up the fallow ground, which is the neglected earth. In Jeremiah 4, verse 3, it says, For thus saith the Lord, the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground, your neglected, hardened soil. Break it up. Someone say, my heart. Your heart can collect. It could be a place that collects rocks. Rocks and debris that will keep you from seeing and experiencing a harvest or bearing any fruit. It goes on to say in Hosea 10:12, sow to yourselves in righteousness reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. Break up your fallow ground. Basically, put that plow down, furrow that field, break it up. Dig out the rocks, dig out the stony places because it's time to seek the Lord. How many believes that it's time to seek the Lord? It's time for America to seek the Lord. It's time for the Quad Cities to seek the Lord. There has been fields that have been neglected, and it seems like seed has been scattered but has brought forth no life, no fruit. But in order for us to see a harvest, we must break up that neglected soil. Now stay with me. The building project that we're going through has introduced me on more than a few occasions to new terms that I've never heard before. Architect, civil engineer, contractors, they're talking and they're using terms and I'm like trying to act like I know what they're talking about and on the side I'm like Googling the term, you know, what does that even mean? One of them was clear and grubbing the ground and I'm like you know we got to get rid of the grubs like those ugly white things that turn into beetles we got to get rid of those like that's a big deal and so I looked it up and what it means is to get rid of all the roots get rid of all vegetation all all of that that is laying on the ground and get down to good hard firm soil and here as I've studied these stone walls I've discovered some things I'm going to deal with these four lands and how there's a spiritual parallel that I feel to draw from them and share with you tonight. Refuge Church, please hear me. There is that area that is furthest from the house. This area is the rockiest and the poorest soil of all. But it's where the trees grow. And you see the trees that grow in the wooded lot, they provide the timber that builds the house. It allows for the house to be built, constructed, and added on to, as the family has children. You've got to have the timber, and the timber comes from the wooded lot. I would liken this to the field of evangelization. Jesus showed us the way by being a friend to sinners. We find in his own words, he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He was not there to take up stones from this ground. He was there to collect things that would build his house. It reminds me of the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery And her accusers brought her and threw her before Jesus. And they demanded that Jesus would would condone them stoning her to death. But Jesus would reply by saying, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And beginning, the Bible says, with the greatest among them to the least, they begin to allow the stones to fall and leave them where they are found them they didn't need to pick up stones at this point they didn't need to move the stones just let the stones lie where they are the wooded lot is furthest from the house but it is this field that is going to provide the timber for new construction our work here in the wooded lot is to not gather up the stones and build a wall but to leave the stones where they lie and search among what grows there and see what can be used to be added to the house, the house of God, the family of the Lord. You see, there is an importance in the wooded lot, and it's not there that we gather stones. It's not there that we build walls, but it's there that we find new timber for the house to be built. But from the wooded lot, As we draw closer to the house, we go into the pasture land. The land, this land is for the livestock. We might call them in the spiritual sense, the flock. You see, the flock, the livestock is owned by the house. Here is the first area where we see the rocks naturally being found and taken up and made a wall of. We're not talking about every pebble, we're not talking about the tiny little rocks, but we're talking about boulders. In fact, in the research I did, those that see these walls that are made up of these rocks, it's a wonder how the people in the 17 and 1800s even moved them. (laughs) You see, these are rocks that would potentially hurt and hinder the flock from grazing. The pasture land these rocks are taken up and they're not just scattered about just anywhere no they are gathered together and they are used to build the first fence I would liken this place to a place of separation it is where the flock is gathered and not scattered it is where the flock is kept safe from predators and it separates them from the animals that are owned by the house and the wild animals that roam beyond the stone wall of separation. How many knows that when you were allowed to enter into this kingdom, you were born again of water and the spirit, the light of revelation turned on in your life? How many knows that there were some rocks that seemed like nobody could move those? How in the world can you take that massive boulder and take it and perfectly place it in a straight line, a line that would bring separation, a line that would bring protection? Listen, we ought to understand that the things that the Lord has delivered us of, the Lord has saved us from, He wants to take those and He wants to make a wall of separation because this is the way, this is the place where we are going to graze and feed and be separate and be saved. It's the field of separation it's the pasture land it's from the spring to the to the fall it's where the flock simply goes and grazes and lives but then beyond the pasture land there are the hay fields the hay fields this land is different from the pasture you see the pasture is where the livestock can roam And feed and be safe from predators and be gathered together they may even stay there into the fall but this hayfield this next area that's a little bit closer to the house this land is cultivated for one purpose to grow and gather feed for the flock during the winter months while only the largest stones are gathered and used to create a wall or a boundary in the pasture land, we find that the homesteaders are a little more particular. You see, while in the pasture land, it's where the animals simply roam about and you just want to make sure they don't get hurt or they're hindered from grazing, but it's here in the hay field where your children and you yourself The family that lives in the house, they are going to go into the hay field and they are going to reap the hay that will feed the flock during the winter months. And you want to make sure in this field that there are no rocks that will continue to stay or exist, that will turn an ankle or will cause someone to stumble while they're collecting the feed for the winter months. Let's call this field the field of consecration. It's a little bit deeper than separation. I'm so thankful that the Lord brought me out of the wooded area. And he brought me into the pasture land and he made me his own. He separated me from the wild. He separated me from the place that had no borders, drew no lines of separation. He brought me in, but I'm thankful that I was more than just that. But he brought me in a little bit closer and he made sure that I would be fed even through the dry seasons. While the pasture land would grow brown and dry and dead during the winter months, you see it's those that go to another level, a level of consecration, where not only they are separated from the world, but now they're consecrated for the house. It's this place, it's this place where we find that the wall or fence, another one, is put up. And understand with each wall, with each field, you grow closer and closer to what? The house. The house. See, the pasture land, its primary purpose is to make sure that the livestock, the flock, will have food in the barn during the harsh, cold, and sometimes long and dark winters. We got to take up a little bit more. We can't be as careless. We got to find each rock that might hinder the nutrients that will grow from this land to feed the flock during those seasons that are dry and arid but there's one more field there's one more field you see this field is where the food crops that feed the house this field happens to be the closest to the house this field is where the homesteaders spend the most time they not only plow the field plant the field tend to the field and reap from this field They spend the most time and energy in this field. You see, as you get closer to the house, you find that there's a little bit more attention coming from the house to that field. While what grows in the wooded lot, where the woods are, it will build the structure of the house. But what grows in the field closest to the house makes the house stronger. I feel like there's a repeated theme in the past two services, including this one. Now the third service where the Lord is wanting to remind us that we will grow in number, but he wants to make sure that we are also growing in spiritual maturity. It is the will of God for us to grow stronger and not just larger you see this crop if it does not succeed the house will fall and fail the inhabitants will grow malnourished they will grow weak and they will die but in order for this crop to succeed the soil has to be ridded of all stones every rock Every large rock, every medium-sized rock, every small rock needs to be gathered up. But listen, church, with each rock that is gathered, another border and line and fence and wall is constructed. And I can't help but think that as someone might be in the field where the harvest is growing and the vegetables are growing and those things that will sustain the inhabitants of the house are growing or perhaps when you're in the hay field and and you are reaping the hay that will cause the livestock to be fed during the winter months or perhaps you're even as a shepherd out in the pasture land and you're counting the flock and making sure that they're all counted for I can't help but notice that what constructs the wall is dug out of the soil I'm so thankful that the Lord does not simply take the mistakes, the failures, the hang-ups, the temptations of my life, the things that He has rescued me from, the things that He has saved me from, the things that He has cleansed me from the shame of. He does not simply take them and hang them over my head. No. He says, you know what you need to do with those? You need to build a wall. You need to build a boundary, a fence that says, listen, every time you think about going beyond, where I own. This is a reminder of what I saved you from. This is a reminder of how far I brought you. This is a reminder of what I've done in your life. Somebody say amen. How many are thankful? How many are thankful for those stone walls that the Lord has allowed to be constructed in our lives that is a reminder that He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us through the sea. He led us by the cloud. He took us to a mountain where He gave us the law. He provided manna at our doorstep and quail for us to feed on. I'm so thankful for a God that allows those mistakes to become monuments of separation and consecration and dedication. It all began with evangelization, but he's bringing me closer to the house, and with each step I take toward the house might mean another wall of separation, but it's a reminder that I'm coming closer to the house. I'm becoming more intimate with the owner of the house. He's tending to me a little bit more carefully. Oh, somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say the house. The house. I already mentioned it that the farmer's first crop of the year, it is said, is rocks. Before he could see his animals and livestock graze on the pasture land, before he could allow the hay to grow in the field that will nourish the flock in the winter, before he could grow those vegetables and those nutrients from the ground nearest his house his first harvest is rocks it's the rocks that perhaps they were buried deeper than last year's furrowing or breaking up of the ground or plowing see last year you put that plow in the ground brother and you ran that line through the field and you picked up some rocks, but listen, the next year you go on that same line in that same field and you hit a rock again. You think to yourself, I, I thought I got rid of all of the stones that were in this field. Why are there more that are resurfacing? They say it's because that harsh winter with the freezing and the melting and the freezing and the melting, the expanding and then the contracting It has a way of bringing up those hard things to the surface you see we could cry about the winter but the winter has a way of exposing things in our lives that one more plow one more harvest one more turn of the soil will expose and he could add to that wall you see every stone that's added to the wall is a little bit more safety a little bit more security don't hate the wall don't hate the rocks that are being dug up from your life that add to the wall God is in the business of protecting you and cultivating your life building his church all four types of fields are managed by the house they are designed to be a blessing to the house the closer you get to the house the walls consist of smaller and smaller rocks Holiness and consecration grows deeper the closer you get to the house. Could we stand together? As we close this evening, this Bible study, I want us to pray. I want us to examine our lives. You see, oftentimes we we notice that when we initially come into the church, it seems like, man, all all kinds of stuff's being dug up, right? And we're, we're putting that away, putting that aside. But the closer we get to the house, remember, it's gonna take another, it's gonna take another plow. It's gonna take a little bit more detail and attentive eye from the owner of the house because he's got another purpose for you. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your hand upon my life. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon the refuge church. I ask that you would lead us, guide us, and use us for your glory and honor. We thank you, O Lord, for this illustrated message, this message, Lord, this illustration that I believe that you revealed to to my knowledge to bring to this body to help us, Lord, to grow in holiness, to grow in our consecration, to realize that you may have evangelized us there from the woods, but you're bringing us and drawing us a little bit closer to the house. We thank you for this day. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.